0: This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg, author of American Veda, uh, our podcast, Spirit Matters, found at spiritmatterstalk.com. Our guest today, Joan Shiva Pita Harrigan, uh, Shivar Pita Harrigan. She is the director of the Patanjali Kundalini Yoga Center and uh, longtime practitioner. And uh, she is also the author of the book Kundalini Vidya and also a uh, a forthcoming book, uh, "Stories of Spiritual Transformation: The Fulfillment of Kundalini Process." Uh, Shiva Ji, thank you so very much for taking the time to come on our show today.
1: Thank you so much for asking me,
0: Shiva Ji. Um, we have a
2: lot of questions, and I'm looking—I've f- been looking forward to this interview for quite a while, having uh, met you and interviewed you in the past. Um, mm-hmm. But let's begin by giving uh, our listeners a sense of who you are and how you came uh, to the position you are uh, now at Patanjali Kundalini Yoga Care and uh, how you came from uh, being a, a nice Catholic girl to <laughs> Still a nice Catholic. being a, Still a nice spiritual girl. teacher in, in this lineage.
3: Um,
1: It was an unfolding that just step-by-step took place. I was um, very interested in the lives of the saints as a child and um, lived in a religious upbringing. Uh, Lost all that one night in my senior year of high school. Uh, It just went sort of poof, the external theoretical part of it at any rate, not the inner spiritual seeker part of it. Um, That survived through the 60s until my first good yoga class where I had a uh, revelation or peak experience and realized there is a method that will work for me. Uh, Then I realized there's a whole theoretical frame behind this method I uh, studied yoga philosophy, Vedanta philosophy, and had like a recognition response. It all made sense to me, which looks fabulous, and uh, proceeded on, uh, learned uh, psychology and uh, Indian philosophy rather simultaneously, and they blended uh, very well for me. Um, I went to India and uh, met my spiritual teacher, Swami Chandrase Saraswati, who um, was very uh, traditional. He had been a wandering sadhu and um, really hadn't taught anyone or started any organization. It was synchronicity that uh, we met And he began teaching me when I requested guidance of him. Um, And what he taught me really deeply resonated and also helped me. I've been a serious seeker for at least 10 years and hadn't made a whole lot of significant progress except to understand uh, what spiritual lifestyle uh, should entail and the basics of Yoga Vedanta. But when I started studying with Swamiji, things just shifted and opened and progressed from there in a very interesting and lovely, though not always easy way. And uh, he taught me quite thoroughly the teachings of his lineage, which specializes in traditional Kundalini science, and then designated me to continue the teachings um, independently he also started coming to America uh, so that he could guide me as I helped people in their process mm. uh, so that's been 30 years
0: well uh, Shivaji uh, <clears throat> I'm fascinated with the concept of Kundalini and uh, you're the mm. director of the Patanjali Kundalini yoga care and I think most of what I've heard about Kundalini has to do with energy, movement of energy up the spine, sometimes even associated with Mm -hmm. sexual energy. And I feel like I've never had a really clear, good definition of what Kundalini is. And uh, I'm wondering if you could shed light on that for me.
1: I'll try. It's a very important point because different people define it different ways Mm -hmm. and to each their own. I always capitalize the K in Kundalini to indicate that this is a spiritual, sacred, divine presence within every human being, not some erratic, unpredictable, possibly wild, uncomfortable energy. Um, And energy is much more manifest, grossified out in the environment, nature, than is spirit which is more deeply within at our very core and essence. So <laughs> it, it, as a little Catholic girl in the past, I would call Kundalini Shakti the Holy Spirit within, and we are its tabernacle.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Shivaji, you use, uh, in your writings at least, um the term you commonly use is Kundalini Shakti. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can explain uh, the the uh, conjoining of those two terms and what they mean. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yeah, that's to specify the difference between uh, energy, which is uh, lower level of manifestation, uh, more towards the gross material world. Uh, shakti is the name for the f- very first manifestation of the One, of pure, all-pervasive, pervasive, eternal consciousness.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: When it manifests, the very first step is Sivleni Shakti, the divine. It has attributes. It can be um, experienced. Uh, directly and described and then it cascades down into the more manifest levels of being uh, through discernment and the aspects of mind uh, to the prana level which is westerners would call energy and then into the gross material world and the physical body, it's a continuum mm-hmm
0: uh, Sh- Shiva, uh, Shivaji, mm-hmm. I- I- if somebody uh, comes and studies with you, uh, what do you teach them? Are there meditation techniques, breathing techniques? What type of experience might they expect to have? And uh, m- what is the ultimate goal of what you're teaching for the student?
1: For people who are really serious spiritual seekers and qualified for our service, Uh, The first step is, basically, they tell their story in writing, and I can understand from that, contemplating and reflecting on their story, um, where they are in their spiritual process and what kind of Kundalini process they have, because there are different ways Kundalini Shakti manifests in different people. Um, if they want to participate the next step is uh, an initial retreat and I will provide selected specialized practices a set, a routine of practices um, designed specifically for what's going on with their spiritual process to progress it um, and elevate it at least to according to our theoretical frame, which uses the chakras and the nadis of mm-hmm. um, uh, 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 hatha yoga, raj yoga, etc., um, to the upper brow, where the rising would be stable and can proceed from there, according to the divine wisdom and the individual's cooperation. uh, on to higher levels of spiritual awareness and finally to uh, monistic oneness, um, self realization.
2: Mm-hmm. If I could backtrack just a second, I want to come back to the actual work that you do with individuals, mm-hmm. but just for the sake of clarity uh, for people who may not be uh, familiar with these terms, or, or in fact are familiar with these terms but may have misconceptions. Um, you spoke about Shakti um, in in the traditional uh, Vedic terminology uh, uh, Shiva stands for essentially the unmanifest or absolute pure mm-hmm. consciousness and and Shakti is um, the manifest aspect of of um, absolute consciousness and mm-hmm. one is uh, Shiva is associated with. Uh, masculine energy, or the the form is a masculine one, the familiar form of Shiva, and Shakti is is understood as uh, the divine feminine. Um, Can you elaborate on that or clarify some of that for the sake of our listeners who might uh, have a different uh, conception?
1: Yes, that's an important point. Shiva and Shakti are pure consciousness, and then it's sometimes translated power consciousness, which, as you indicated, Phil, is a level of manifestation. But it has nothing to do with men or women, or even for that matter, masculine or feminine. Um, Philosophically, the terms masculine principle and feminine principle simply mean the unmanifest and the manifest. So it's not really that accurate a, a, a descriptor to say masculine and feminine. And certainly, even though uh, the iconography is Shiva is a, a male figure and Shakti is a feminine figure, these are totally symbolic
0: <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so
1: every, every man and every woman has Shiva and Shakti. Mm-hmm. It's like yin and yang.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Shivaji, I'm curious. Uh, you're an advanced practitioner uh, of the uh, techniques that you teach. Uh, for somebody that's an, an advanced practitioner like yourself, uh, when you do your spiritual practice, and I assume it's some type of uh, focusing inward, some type of meditation, do you experience energy going up your spine? Uh, is that the goal? Uh, do you have that experience? And is it the goal of your meditative practice? Or is it more uh, to come in ta- contact with a deeper silence? Uh, how would you describe your internal experience during your spiritual practice?
1: Um, interesting topic. <laughs> um, there yeah. are so many <laughs> manifestations of lini process one of the mm-hmm. classically described ones is light or energy rushing up the spine, sort of an explosion in the head, possibly Korea spontaneous movements or breathing patterns. Um, and the way things are described are quite dramatic and might actually lead to uh, mental emotional um, erratic or or imbalanced state. Mm-hmm. Um, special powers, um, psi phenomena, um, many manifestations. Actually, the process can also be very mild and lovely, even from the beginning, Mm -hmm. and um, have the main signs being uh, a yearning for spiritual um, development, a feeling of sacred presence within, an interest in uh, going inward and uh, um, progressing um, just as a human being. Um, So I think that uh, Kundalini has sort of uh, been defined in the modern West as a more psychological um, uh, thing that might need... Treatment actually, mm-hmm. it, it, it's syndrome. Um, the way I look at it is traditional. It is a spiritual awareness and desire or need. For me personally, since you asked, um, you know, it, 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 spiritual yearning and the and spiritual goal, it is is actually there's a paradoxical element because. If you're yearning too hard it's willful and if it's a goal it's too uh dualistic so um actually it's more like um catch the slipstream of the divine awareness and stay in that current Mm
3: -hmm.
1: so uh Swamiji used to just say at a certain point in spiritual development, after you've done a lot of preparatory uh, work, the practice becomes basically um, put the body in a restful position and get inside and be one with the one.
2: Mm. And it happens. Mm -hmm. Um, But as long as we we brought up that... um, Common notion of kundalini, uh, especially uh, back when in the sixties and seventies, when when the term kundalini first gained some currency, and there were um, people having either spectacular experiences or very unsettling experiences, mm-hmm. often induced by drugs or or perhaps overdoing uh, some yogic practice or whatever. Um, And so Kundalini had uh, this uh, association with um, kind of dramatic psychological states that were sometimes misunderstood, but that also could be quite dangerous um, and unsettling. Uh, Is that part of the understanding of the tradition that there these things are possible and what what elicits them, and so that kind of. Course.
1: They they are indeed possible, and for the individual experiencing them, those kinds of very dramatic experiences can be quite problematic, and uh, people just want it to go away if it's uncomfortable, or if it's spectacular and, you know, ecstatic, and all of that, they want to have more of it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, in in neither case, really, it, 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 are we in the, in the peaceful zone, which is what spiritual life is about. So, supporting process, and most people I talk to came in this lifetime already with an existent active Kundalini process. They may not have recognized it until from karmic point in their life when it when it ripened and they became aware there was something more special going on. Um, But the support of process uh, is not about dramatic or strong interventions. Those generally yield dramatic results. We don't want drama, actually. We want expansion, peacefulness, -hmm. quietude, understanding, be one with the one, or at least one with the divine, um, as a prelude to one with the one. And this requires a a regulated, sensible, healthy spiritual lifestyle um, without, uh, you know, fancy big interventions. The practices that we recommend are sattvic or peaceful. And uh, it's quite simple. It's gentle poses, gentle breathing practices, a gentle form of meditation, spiritual education, um, good nutritious food that suits the individual, um, Mm -hmm. uh, enough rest, that sort of thing. But in the right combination for the individual, and that's the real wisdom and teaching of our Uh, lineage that Swamiji imparted to me, how to understand what kind of process a person has, where are they in their process, what are the the possible um, blocks or uh, frailties in their process, what are the brain centers being stimulated, maybe not specifically, but the results of those, which might give some of that spectacular stuff that would need to be calmed down a little bit because they can be quite distracting um, and then how to determine in knowing the person's story what practices would help <clears throat> the system and the mind function in a way that would be more likely to support Kundalini Shakti in doing what it is she's been trying all this time to actually do.
0: Right. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> Shivaji, uh, you mentioned before like an ultimate goal of enlightenment or self-realization, uh, what what would that be like and why would one want to aspire to that?
1: You know, a, a lot of us in the West might say, I just want to be happy, which is uh, um, very nice. But um, actually this is what we're looking at in the lives of the realized ones is is not exactly happiness. It is an awareness. It is just uh, um, the inner stability and expansiveness. Understanding beyond the mind. It's beyond the energy system. It's beyond the mental system. It's beyond any of the manifest attributes or functions, and yet and this is according to Mandukya Upanishad, the realized person not only is aware beyond the manifest realm, but eventually is in that turiya, beyond the manifest awareness, while able to function consciously in the gross material waking level, and understand the subtler uh, pranic and mental level of uh, dream time, the dreaming state in awareness, in, in what the psychologists would call conscious awareness, uh, which is different than consciousness from the Vedic definition. So eventually all the states simultaneously, waking, dreaming, deep sleep, and beyond the fourth state, Tria.
0: Wait, wait, If I could just follow up with, with a quick mm-hmm. question. Uh, do, do, you, do you think that's uh, a level of experience open to anyone?
1: Anyone who uh, is, is blessed with and puts forth the effort, correct effort, to develop that over time, mm-hmm. yes.
2: Shivaji, um, from what I understand of the work you do, um, there's uh, a, a rather sophisticated form of uh, a diagnostic process um, mm-hmm. so that uh, people uh, apply uh, to, the, to your programs and um, you. it's a a very highly individualized process. So there's methods apparently quite Mm -hmm. traditional that you were trained in to sort of um, diagnose or assess uh, what uh, the person's uh, progress is and and what may be uh, holding the person back or presented as obstacles um and some of that is has a, a sort of psychophysiological grounding <laughs> can you can you explain as, as best you can <laughs> in in uh you know verbally uh what that's what that's about and and how it uh it, how it expresses itself in your work
1: yes I, um the assessment process is um not like you know, a a diagnostic that uh, a medical doctor or a psychologist would do, like with the DSM manual. Um, It is. Swami told me when he was training me, if you try to use your mind for this, it will never work. (laughs) You have to get to the level of consciousness. Then you will know. So I study the... No more than twenty pages of autobiographical material that the person presents based on the outline we provide and i I reflect upon it, I sit with it i I read between the lines. I come to know more of uh, what is going on with that individual on a on a subtle level. Um, and then the next step would be studying more once I meet the person if they want to come uh, for an initial retreat and to put together a set of practices. And it's not just yoga asanas. We've uh, collected practices from all over the world uh, in different spiritual traditions and while on pilgrimage and such um, so that they're suited to the individual regardless of what that person's uh, spiritual tradition is now or was in past lives so that we're working more with the with the template that they come in with and it's, it's a better match um, for their pattern. Um, and so these practices are designed to vitalize and direct the prana flow so that it can... Uh, correct itself if it's in a uh, deflected rising, as we call it, which tends to be unstable and give more unpredictable and remarkable manifestations. Um, Or if it's a stable rising to get it through the block to proceed onward and upward, so to speak. Um, uh, The right practices are what really matters, and that's the. I, I'm continue to be uh, amazed and grateful for these teachings, which I'm fortunate to have been uh, taught. And the, the teaching is not on a on a mental level, although scripture study is certainly a part of it. It has to come from direct experience and the oral tradition teachings, which Swamiji shared with me, and case studies after 400 people uh, as exemplars of Kundalini process that Swamiji explained to me, individual by individual, here's what's happening, here's the problem, here's the special idiosyncratic thing with this individual that needs to be attuned to. And then once they reach this upper brow, then it's as if the cork is popped from the subconscious, um, we call it unloading with a capital U, but um, there is a Sanskrit term for it. It's it's in scripture, and um, it is a more speedy uh, purging of the stored karmic material. Uh, this is not for wimps. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Speaking of which, if I can follow up, Dennis. Um, my understanding is um, you have a lot of people coming to you um, who have been on a spiritual path for quite some time and who mm-hmm. may be uh, yoga and meditation practitioners, may have been with gurus, may have even, you know, lived in ashrams, uh, or mm-hmm. uh, people from other traditions, I'm sure, who are so- sincere seekers. What is the kind of demographic of who comes to you? Is it mostly experienced? Uh, people or spiritual veterans or do you get a lot of uh, uh, people who are new to the spiritual path? Uh,
1: Mainly veterans who've tried any number of things. Um, Some well-schooled in a particular approach um, that just didn't uh, come to fruition in the way they had hoped. Um, Generally people are Fifty-ish, <laughs> <laughs> by the time they Young, came
0: in. yeah,
1: yeah, uh, two thirds <laughs> are female. Um, we do get some uh, people in their twenties who are just starting out, and that's lovely if they're mature enough, you know, to be um, steady and disciplined. And the ones who make it here uh, generally are and, and very sincere. Uh, in their efforts and study. Um, We do get some rookies, and uh, understanding a spiritual approach, if you haven't been schooled in it from uh, your upbringing or studied it on your own, um, this is different than, you know, an academic or psychological or energy healing thing. That's not what we're about. We're about actual, what I would call real spirituality, which is at the level of soul and spirit, mm-hmm. not at the level of mind and vitality. Mm-hmm. It goes deep. And that's what anchors the person in their practice and their progress. Um, and as the, the purging post, uh, Upper Berowra Point—that um, we're aiming for in the initial mm-hmm. retreat—it uh, requires a steadiness and an understanding beyond just rational, analytic understanding. And you, one perseveres and knows that there's going to be, you know, now and then some discomfort, some confusion, mm-hmm. and you—you you go into that and what is this about and and you trust uh whatever you want to call it the one the higher self the holy spirit within to uh lovingly and effectively guide you and then as as a spiritual director i'm here simply to support to educate to talk things through uh to give reasonable um, counsel, and the person is a do-it-yourself job, really. Each individual mm-hmm. has to, you know, hunker down seriously, and um, but not in an overly uh, anxious and forceful way. Right. <laughs> to right. peacefully hunker down.
0: <laughs> right. right. Uh, Sh- Shivaji. Uh, and let
1: the unfolding. Uh, yeah,
0: uh, along along those lines. Uh, You were initiated as a monastic in the Shankaracharya tradition in 1987. So you are full blast on your spiritual path. It is all, I would think, consuming. It's your uh, one and only or main, certainly, focus. Uh, If somebody comes to you to learn, how much of their life energy has to go into it? Could they still have a job? Could they be in school? Or is this something where they have to drop everything else and really just go for this?
1: No, and I certainly didn't drop anything else. I've worked full time and Mm -hmm. um, certainly doing something that I love and am grateful for, Um, but yeah, full-time occupied in the so-called real world, and almost all of our consultees are likewise engaged, earning a living, raising Mm -hmm. children. But but I guess Um, my
0: my question is, how many hours or how much time per day do they have to devote? uh, uh, What is your recommendation in terms of spiritual practice?
1: Yeah, we hope the hour, hour and a half a day,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and it can be divided in two, um, but the thing is, the awareness, the mindfulness, the self-inquiry,
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, that goes on uh, the whole waking time. Mm-hmm. Shakti works on the system while we're apparently sleeping, and um, a reflective attitude within a healthy spiritual lifestyle, um, that is the setting for that hour, hour and a half of more formal spiritual practice.
2: Mm-hmm. Since you um, raised the question, uh, or not the question, but since the, the uh, name of the Shankaracharya tradition was invoked, um, I wanted to ask you uh, this question. I, I'm looking at uh, your book, Kundalini Vidya, The Science of Spiritual Transformation, and you have at the very beginning, like a kind of epigraph, a traditional, uh, I don't know what we would call it, hymn or uh, poem or song, of, of from Shankara, from Adi Shankaracharya, who... Um, is known understood to be sort of the the great uh, exponent of advaita vedanta of non dualism, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, the particular uh, excerpt you're you're using here is is essentially a pay on to divine mother, yes, and many people who have a kind of Mm, I don't want to say, well, a certain understanding of Advaita would look at this and say, that's dualistic.
1: It's uh, a conundrum, isn't it? <laughs> Can uh, you
2: explain your perspective it, on this dualistic and non-dualistic, uh, words that are being thrown f- uh, about lately?
1: Well, that's, that's actually impossible to do, but I'll try. Shakti <laughs> <laughs> sure. makes the impossible possible. So, um, Adi Shankaracharya, there are some academicians who will say the Sandhari Lahari, which is the verse you're referring to, Shiva Sha Jayuto, etc. It's, it's a beautiful verse, the prayer to the Divine Mother, that describes uh, that Shiva pure consciousness is incapable of anything manifest without the manifest power principle. Shakti, so here is Adi Shankaracharya, the great monist, very really strict monist, Maya, everything that is apparently real is illusion, there is nothing but pure consciousness, and here he is when he's actually functioning as, as on the, on the human level, not as the now I'm totally gone beyond, um, paying homage to the manifest that is permeated, uh, I'm not Vedanta, uh, pure consciousness is apparently manifest, and that is as Shakti, known as the Divine Mother. So, in India, you have various uh, uh, schools or approaches. So, the Shaivites, uh, the Vaishnavites and the Shaktas. I am Ashattha, even though my name is Shivartita, that means given to Shiva, so to pure consciousness. And yet, my specialty is Kundalini Shakti, and I was trained in the understandings of the functionings of the apparent manifest, and how that is permeated by pure consciousness. And real or not real... You know, apparently, we put food into our body, and we <laughs> walk there, and we have yeah. conversations. <laughs> <So> <laughs> right.
0: And I had to call you, even right, though we're right. one. <laughs> even though we're one. Uh, uh, Shiva G, I I have one final question for you, and that is: uh, you were a, a PhD in psychology. You were a psychotherapist. I don't know. If you still practice that, and that was my question: Is there any value you see in uh, psychotherapy still? And have you ever integrated psychotherapy with your uh, spiritual uh, teachings and spiritual, spiritual practices?
1: You know, since I have learned uh, psychology, psychotherapy, uh, yoga practice, Vedanta philosophy, simultaneously, they're all sort of merged to me.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And from an Advaitin perspective, the psychotherapy would just be something of the mind. You know, but from... A medical perspective um, uh, physical uh, um, eating the right food and exercising well, that's just that's just the body. so um, saying well, that's just the mind, it is as impractical as saying that's just the body. Right. We have to take care of the physical body. we have to keep the prana system vitalized. We have to keep the mind clear and focused and discerning. So, with the right psychotherapist, (laughs) that's a Uh big uh, thing, uh, and the right attitude on the part of the um, client, um, it can be a helpful adjunct to spiritual life um, that can uh, train the person in developing a clearer buddhi. Um, that discerns and um, makes decisions that are more helpful and doesn't get us caught up in the habitual mind stuff and the whirlpools of vrittis that pull us down into our most familiar uh, emotions and identifications. So, I guess my answer would be depends.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> good answer. Very good. Phil, any final should... uh, questions for you? Uh, no,
2: we should. Uh... Uh, wind it up, uh, but I would like to point out for the sake of our listeners that uh, when we talk about um, people going on retreat at um, Shivaji's place, we're talking about Knoxville, Tennessee and uh, Shivaji, maybe you could tell people how they can learn more about you and and the work of the uh, Patanjali Yoga Care.
1: Well, we do have a website, com. I'm told it has too much information on it,
3: <laughs> uh, but
1: there it is. And uh, actually, um, you know, as I said, we are for uh, really serious um, spiritual seekers, and we are not a um, hotline or, or ER for people in in acute dramatic um manifestations of what they might call um uh, Kundalini emergence or emergency um we're not geared um to assist people who are in uh, that difficult a situation, but people who can you know be stable and have discipline and understanding. Uh, to To do our work, um, and I only take um, maybe you know a dozen to two dozen new people a year, so it's rather selective. Um, because I'm just one person now <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <Great. laughs> since Swamiji
1: Great. left the body last spring.
0: Great, and we'll have all this information, uh, of course, posted up uh, at spiritmatterstalk.com dot com. Thank you so very much for your Mm -hmm. time, uh, Shivaji, and uh, uh, I hope we can have you back on the show sometime again.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me. I really enjoyed being with both of you.
2: Thank you. We'll be in touch.